This is, this is a, a, a special family. I call it family, special community, isn't it? Amen. That's, um, look, especially welcome back to some of our hometown kids who've been off to college. Ow. Okay, all right. Thank you, Casey. You got me. You picked me up. <laughs> welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Justin. Um, I'm the student and worship pastor here, and I get the, the, the distinct privilege of uh, bringing you a word uh, from the word and from my heart this morning uh, and for us to share in this, this time together. All right, so we're in week four, the final week of this series called Entheos, right? Entheos is a Greek word. If you haven't guessed, it's not English. Um, and it's interpreted uh, to the English word of enthusiasm, all right? That's what entheos means. The first part, E-N, N, means inside or within. Uh, and then theos obviously means God. So the meaning of enthusiasm in our context today is the spirit of God within or filled with God, right? The spirit of God within or filled with God. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of entheos, the attitudes and actions that come from the Holy Spirit of God within us, working to create in us a new heart and a new mind. That's what it's all about. The Holy Spirit working in us to create a new heart and a new mind. We've talked about things like having unshakable optimism, right? This is not a time in our world, in our history, of being overly optimistic. Can we agree on that? We've talked about how we deal with the problem of complaining and how do we cultivate a heart of gratitude. And last week, we talked about being someone who encourages other people, being an encourager to people. And today we want to wrap up this series. It's been a great series. I've, it's really been challenging to me, and today is the greatest challenge of all, in my opinion. We're going back to the root word of the series today, in Theos, and we're talking about enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Now, you know, think about what you, what you think about. Think about the, what, in your mind what that means for you, enthusiasm. We need some entheos now more than ever, right? We do. Man, I do, you do, whether you know it or not, whether you're con uh, conscious of this or not, to see how God is working good in the middle of bad, to fight off spiritual and emotional apathy, right? To let the Holy Spirit move in us and stir in us a holy, fiery enthusiasm for the Lord Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. You see, we're all in need of this, no matter how you feel or think this morning. We're in need of some entheos big time. But first, we need to come to some sort of realization with this. And here's the realization. Do you know what the opposite of enthusiasm is? You may know what the opposite of enthusiasm might be. It's a word called apathy. Apathy. Apathy is the opposite, if you're taking notes, of enthusiasm. What do we mean by apathy? Being apathetic. Uh, kind of being kind of blah about things. Not, not caring or not having the time to care. Um, putting, you know, putting things to the side so that's not, you know, I could care less about that. Apathy. Not caring 
not having the time to care or the heart to care being just kind of whatever whatever you know and, and, and no, at no time in my life has it been have I been more apathetic than in the last six months at no time in my life have I been more apathetic in my whole life than the last six months the last six months have beaten me into the ground I don't know about you they have ground me into the ground. And, and I, I told someone the other day, I have never felt the weight like I felt the last six months, the spiritual and emotional weight. And I can't be the only one. Our world is apathetic. Now, we may be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit, but, man, we're still a, a ways off. And you, it, listen, we might get back to normal, and you might still feel the, the effects of this apathetic time in our history, right? The opposite of enthusiasm is apathy. And there is a pandemic, not to make light of anything else going on, but there is a pandemic of apathy. Because listen, we can talk about the, the physical nature of a, of a disease that we don't know a whole lot about. We don't even know what, if the statistics are right or not. CDC is coming out every day and saying, nope, sorry, we didn't, we, not we lied, but Oh, oh crud, we, we, this, is, this is really this. Every day, every day. They don't know, we don't know, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I'm telling you, the, the greatest pandemic going on has nothing to do with the physical body. Nothing to do with our physical health. It's a pandemic of apathy. We want to ward off apathy this morning. We want to we expel apathy. See, when your natural disposition is one of apathy and just like we were talking about complaining a couple weeks ago, apathy's contagious. Apathy's contagious. It runs out all over. If you're an apathetic person, if you're a negative person by nature, that stuff is contagious. That black cloud follows you everywhere you go. <laughs> and the cloud expands. If anyone's in your vicinity, they're getting rained on too. Think about that. Think about that. And it might be your natural disposition to be a little on the negative side, glass half empty. I am not. I'll tell you, anybody who knows me, knows I'm sort of a glass, glass half full, kind of happy-go-lucky, it's going to be all right. My wife knows, and she's you know, like, I don't really get stressed out about a lot of stuff. I don't. I don't. I just kind of take it as it comes, and I'm like, it's going to be all right. But I have dealt with apathy in this time period more than ever in my life and I'll be honest I've been on the negative side I've been on the losing hope side of things the good news that I have for you today is that there's a cure for the pandemic of apathy and it's Christ-centered enthusiasm now, now the, get this this is not enthusiasm that you can conjure up or it, it's not in your makeup to be you know Listen, there are positive people, more positive people, more negative people, and you might fall on one side of that than the other. But this kind of enthusiasm goes way beyond you and me. It's the Spirit of God within, working in us, renewing our heart and our mind daily. So I have a question for you. It's this. Have you ever met somebody who just has unending enthusiasm? I mean, I'm talking about if you're slightly like, jaded in your outlook on the world or negative 
this might annoy you a bit. This might be like, can you please stop smiling? Can you just back up off me for a second? I don't need that right now. You're too positive. Let me wallow a little bit. Why are you so happy? Why are you so encouraging? Why are you so enthusiastic about that? I'm, I'm not feeling this. Just shoo. Shoo. That's not me in general. But that might be you. See, we're jaded a little bit. We're, we, our, our minds are, and our hearts are kind of like conditioned by the world to just think slightly negative about things, to be slightly over, overly cautious and scared. Christ-centered enthusiasm expels fear, expels negativity. 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to turn there with me this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 is, is uh, the first text that we're going to look at. Verses 57 and 58. 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul is talking to um, the church in the city of Corinth, and he's trying to encourage them to view things through the lens of the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's trying to encourage them to look at things not as they are on the surface, culturally, okay? Can we, can we relate to that in, nowadays? He's trying to convince them to look up instead of out a little bit. He's trying to get them to raise their viewpoint and their eye level to something higher, someone higher. And here's what he says in verse 57. He says, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we could stop right there and say amen, go home. Nothing more needs to be said. He said, thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. I don't feel very strong and immovable right now. I haven't felt that in a long time. But he says, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. He says, go at it with enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. He say, look, if you, ever, if you want a dose of entheos this morning, enthusiasm, you need to be looking upward. You don't need to be looking at eye level because if you look at eye level, you're going to be depressed. You're going to worry. You're going to have some insurmountable fear. He says, be strong and immovable in the enthusiasm entheos of the Lord Jesus Christ because why? 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 Because he has won victory on that cross for me and for you. And the, the, the last six months will not erase eternity and what's to come. The last six months won't even erase the next six months. It's gone. It's gone. Drowned out by the goodness of God. On this day in 1980, one of the most enthusiastic people that I've ever met was born. This person exudes Christ-centered joy and grace. She chooses, she chooses 
to live a life of Christ-centered enthusiasm. This is not always just her natural disposition. It's a choice. Because I've seen her decide, choose Christ-centered enthusiasm when she's not feeling good. I've seen her choose in theos, Christ-centered enthusiasm when she's tired and she's got people knocking on her door for wise counsel. Come on up. First of all, I would like to say happy birthday. I love you. Can you guys uh, wish her a happy birthday? I'm so thankful I got to preach on this day, September the 6th, your birthday, right? And on this topic, because I got to tell you, I, I couldn't find a better example in my mind and heart, because I've watched you for 18 years, and I, for me, um, I have learned in Theos from you. I love you, and I'm really thankful for you. Happy birthday. Um, what, what I want to ask you is this, I wanna, this is not a Q&A, but it's a short Q&A, but I want to ask you this. You, you know, people that know you know that you just go and you go and you give and you give and you pour out and you love and you counsel and you pray with and you text people. But I've learned that that's just not always just you naturally. Like, you're naturally positive and naturally loving and naturally... With, with a smile on your face, right? You're the, the enthusiastic person we we're talking about. But you, you choose that even when you're not feeling it, right? Tell us, tell, tell our, our church and tell people listening, like, how that happens for you. How do you get to, to that place where you choose that, right? I, um, I know that now, especially today, I've lived enough years um, of my life that I spent a while trying to do that in my own strength and so there were many years that I felt led to love on people and encourage people but I did it in my strength and learned very quickly that you get very spent and it, it, um, it it's too much so um, I'm very blessed that I've gotten to the place where I can listen and and ask for and hear the Spirit's voice and be led by Him and then when, when He tells me and He leads me then um, it's his power, not mine. And so it doesn't run out as fast as if it was me doing it. And so it's, it's in the Holy Spirit's voice and the Holy Spirit's leading and his, um, his action through me is, is how I'm, I'm able to do that. And then also, too, in loving on others and encouraging others with the Holy Spirit's power, I'm being obedient. And so then as I'm obedient to the Spirit, then I'm fulfilled and blessed also. Disclaimer, when she was going him and she was doing yeah. this right here towards me, she's not meaning me. <laughs> Definitely not him. Hey, happy birthday. Love you. All right, I know what you're thinking. I know people get tired of preachers talking about their kids and their wives and husbands. I know people get tired. Stop talking about your kid. We know everything about your kid. We know everything about your wife now. Okay, great. Roll your eyes. 
Uh, you may not be rolling your eyes, but I know people get tired of that. But I'm telling you, I couldn't find a better example today of Entheos. So, and it's your birthday. I love you, and I'm really thankful. We're thankful as a, as a church for what you bring, the leadership that you bring, and the, 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 um, the mentoring and the discipleship that you bring. Another question for you. Have you ever been around somebody who was so enthusiastic about something that you weren't enthusiastic about? Man, that's annoying. Man, don't come up in here with that. You ever been to a karaoke bar? A time or two? Man, it might surprise you when I say this. I hate karaoke. So what, you're a singer. I ain't got no inclination to get up on no stage and sing Don't Stop Believing at the top of my lungs so everybody can laugh at me. If you're a karaoke person, have at it. Go at it with enthusiasm. But that ain't just me. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> I don't. I'm not the karaoke dude. I'm going, yeah, it's a small town. I'm like, You go, you go. Anybody ever relate to that? Like somebody's really enthusiastic about something, they're like feeling it, and you're like, no. Mm -mm. I'll just say this. It's September, baby. You know what that means. It's football season. Nobody in this room is more enthused about football season than me. I can promise you. And in the competition, I'm just saying I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm enthused. Man, when I, when I, when I felt like we were going to have it, you know, at least we've started it. We don't know how long it's going to go. But we've started, and it's here. And guess what? I'm excited. I'm enthused. And I, I, I want to tell you that when, I, when the prospect of not having football season, and I have a son who plays high school football, and I, and I, you know, and I, I have a college team that I live and die with, and, and, and I, I was crushed. I, I, I kind of went back and I went, what, am, what is my life going to be without football? I don't even play. I don't play. I don't play anymore. What's my life going to be without football season? And some of y'all are like, mm-hmm. I'm enthused. I live it. I live that September to January thing. February when, you know, Super Bowl, you know, I guess. Or somebody like, I hate NFL football. Man, I like all kinds of football. I don't care. I, man, when the Hall of Fame game comes on, it's the first preseason NFL game of the year. It's like August 5th. I'm watching that sucker. I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm enthused about football. I'm, I, I'm joyful. I've got hope. I've got hope. Listen to this. Hope leads to joy, leads to entheos. See, without hope... Without hope, there is no joy. And without joy, you don't live a life enthusiastically in any way. So when I heard that when, when you know, SEC, ACC, they were like, man, we're going to play. Or at least we're going to attempt to play. It was like, right on, right on. And you may disagree. But I had hope at that point. And the hope led to giddiness, <laughs> Joy, and then in Theos. The best example I can give of in Theos in the Bible 
is David, King David. Because David, he had the ups and downs of life. He had the, the enemies on all sides trying to obliterate them and take them over and enslave them. And, and all through Israel's history, they're just being, they're in and out of slavery and, and all this stuff, and everybody just hates them. And God is for them. And, and so David, King David is like, one minute he's, he's worried that, that he's not going to survive. Like the enemies are, are you know, all surrounding him. And he's hopeless. And he's going, God, where are you? I need you to listen to my prayer. And then in the next psalm, right, if you look in the psalms, you see the seesaw. The next one, he's like, thank God. God showed up and he showed out. There's victory. There's hope. There's joy. There's enthusiasm right so there's two sides of David there's like the David that killed Goliath and he, he looks at Goliath and Goliath's taunting him and he says he doesn't say I'm going to kill you he says victory is whose the Lord's it's in 1 Samuel 17 the great you know the story that everyone knows David and Goliath right he says victory is the Lord's and the last thing he says to Goliath is there is a God in Israel looking up his entheos, his hope, his joy, his enthusiasm comes from the Lord and not from his own self because he's a little 14-year-old. What can he do? But knowing what the Lord can do changes everything, right? Stick with me here. And then 2 Samuel 6, the Bible says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. You know, legend says he just shed all his clothes and started dancing. I wouldn't recommend that. Just wouldn't recommend it. But imagine the scene. Like, he didn't care. He's like the guy or the girl in the karaoke bar singing at the top of the lungs. They don't care what anybody thinks. Christ-centered enthusiasm is bigger than you. It's, it, it, it's beyond you. It's spirit-filled. It's the spirit of God within us working and moving to renew our hearts and our minds every day. So why did David dance before the Lord? Dancing like you just don't care. Why? Because one of his passions was for worship. You see, the context of 2 Samuel 6, when this, the Bible says he danced before the Lord, is, is, is he, had a, he had a passion for worship. See, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, um, symbol of God's presence here on earth prior to Jesus coming, was lost for 70 some odd years. And what happened, they recovered it, and then they put it, brought it into the temple, which at the time was just a tent. See, David's other passion was to build, his lifelong passion was to build a temple. He wanted to build a place for worship. He wanted to build a church. He wanted to build a place where the, the, the presence of God could reside on earth. Because at that moment, the Holy Spirit wasn't residing on earth indwelling people. It was, the God's presence was concentrated in one spot, and that spot was the top of that ark. And so they put that ark in that temple, and he wanted to create a place of worship and freedom for his people. So that was his passion, right? Now, we know he, that responsibility eventually fell to his son Solomon. And Solomon built a great temple and a great place of worship. Now, the, the, the temple that David built was a tent. But a tent, nonetheless, this is where the presence of God resided. And it was a great passion of his. And so finally, when that ark came to its, its resting place, where its rightful place, God put an enthusiasm and a hope and a joy in him that could not be contained, so he danced. When's the last time you danced before the Lord, so to speak, figuratively, in your mind, in your heart? When's the last time? 
When's the last time you were so overwhelmed with the presence of God and just what God is doing and who he is that you just didn't care what anyone thought? I can remember the first time that happened for me. As a college student, I went to this thing called Passion. And I wasn't really a hand raised. I wasn't even a worship leader yet. I was a college student, and it freaked me out a little bit. 16,000 college students raising their hands, jumping up and down. I said, what's going on here? These kids are supposed to be Baptist. Oops. Rewind that. But I said, no, this is not how I grew up. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands stuck in my pockets. Night one, I'm like this. Night two, I'm here. And night three, I'm on my face. I can't tell you how I got there. I didn't pass out. I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. For the first time in my life, I felt palpably that God was in a room with a whole bunch of college students and he's working and stirring things up that I couldn't explain. And in Theos was born in me that night. And it's never been put out. Last six months, it's been working real hard to do so. The enemy's been working hard to put out the flame of entheos in me. I don't know about you. Why did he dance? Because he trusted God. Because he walked with God daily. And because he worshipped God daily. Why did he dance? Because he trusted God. He had hope. He walked with God. And he worshipped God. See, there's two seasons of David's life. There's the Goliath, David... The Entheos, filled with Entheos, David. And then there's the Bathsheba, David, filled with apathy. In a moment of pleasing himself and an own, his own comfort and, and, and just, just gratifying his, 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 his mind and his, and, his, and his flesh, he fell in a moment of apathy. But then he returns to an Entheos and reigns over Israel because he ran to God he ran into battle to serve God and to lift God higher than himself so even David shows the cycles of our lives and how we're, we can be tossed with the ebbs and flows and the effects of how we live life in Theos enthusiasm y'all is not a personality trait it's not something you either have or you don't I know you think that those of you who know my wife and I, I embarrassed her a second ago and called her up but she, you did great. Some of y'all think that she's just in Theos all the time. She's not. She's not. She's human. That in Theos comes from somewhere else. Are you hearing me? It is not a personality trait. It is not a glass half full, glass half empty thing. If you are negative by nature, God will change your nature. God will change your nature. If you're glass half empty by nature God will fill you and work and stir and move in you and change your nature I see it all the time it's not a personality trait it's a holy burning passion for the things of God see David says in Psalm 51 create in me a pure heart work in me God renew a steadfast spirit within me restore to me the what the joy of my salvation and here's the key 
God-centered enthusiasm is a gateway to worship. It's a gateway. In Nehemiah chapter 8, there's this really great scene where the people of of Israel have been exiled from their city, and their city was decimated. Jerusalem was decimated. And so the rebuilding process begins, and and, and they return to the city, and it's almost completed, and the wall that Nehemiah was was commissioned with rebuilding is almost complete it's near completion and they stand there all the people of Israel that stand there at the, at the, in the, at the city gates or wherever they're standing in the middle of the city and, and, and Ezra the scribe begins to read aloud to them God's law and it's, a, and it's an amazing scene because the city was destroyed and it's being rebuilt. And so here are the people standing in an open space and Ezra the scribe is standing up and reading God's law aloud to the people. And here's what it says in, chapters, in chapter 8 verses 9 through 12 in Nehemiah. It says, here's what he says. Ezra reads God's message to the people and it says, and they heard it. And they heard it. I mean, they really heard it, and they understood it, and it weighed upon them. And guess what they began to do? The people of God began to weep. They began to weep. They heard the word of the Lord to them, and they began to weep. And here's what Nehemiah stands up and says to them. He says, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a, a sacred day. It's a special day. This is verse 12 in Nehemiah chapter 8. He says, today is a special day. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah says, go and celebrate. This is a sacred day. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says, this is a special day. A holy day. This day God has reaffirmed you as his people. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Today is that day for us in, in, in the house of God today. God is reaffirming us. He's saying, I'm still your God. And you're still my people. Live life within Theos. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hope leads to joy, which leads to enthusiasm. Not giddiness enthusiasm it's different it's something that you can't conjure up by yourself a holy Christ-centered enthusiasm that the world can never take away that can't be overshadowed by the circumstances of, of life even a pandemic warning warning Christ-centered enthusiasm is very contagious very very it runs out all over the place it is a flood. It is a river that can't be stopped up. It's like the, the, the woman in John chapter 4 that was at the well and had an encounter, encounter with Jesus. And, she, and Jesus uh, changed her heart and her, her life right there. And she runs to her village and she runs to her family and she tells them, hey, you got to come see this guy, Jesus. He knows everything about me and, and, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> like he knows and, and he's changed my heart. You got to come see him. And her whole family comes to the Lord because of her, her in Theos because of there's, there was an encounter with Jesus that gave her hope and then it gave her joy and then it, it, it manifested itself as a result in Theos bottom line today is that if you're currently in a season of apathy or negativity 
If you've been trying to gain your joy from the things of this world, like football season, or will there or there won't be, will there be or won't there be, am I going to get sick, am I not going to get sick, I'm worried about that, I'm just, I can't, and look, yes, there, there is a palpable fear, and, there's, there is, and there should be, because there, there are things going on in our world we don't understand, but God is bigger than that. The entheos of God will carry you through, will carry you through. Not only that, will it sustain you? You will thrive in this time. The same passion that sent Jesus to that cross is the same passion that should be evident in my daily life. You're either a thermometer or a thermostat. My coach used to say this, and I, at first we were like, what, what does he mean? You're either a thermometer or a thermostat. You either taking the temperature of the room and, 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 and going with it and being changed by whatever is around you or you're setting the tone. You're setting the temperature in the room. With your entheos, you can be a thermostat. You can set the temperature in the room. When you walk in, you can inject entheos into a lifeless situation. You can either let the world and culture determine your level of enthusiasm for God or you can let your enthusiasm and your passion for Jesus overflow and influence everyone you come in contact with. A Christ-centered, holy, burning passion just like David. An enthusiasm that will change everything and everyone around you for the kingdom. Man. It's the joy of the Lord your strength this morning. I would say this. Let God reaffirm you today. I would say if you're lacking some entheos, like most people in our world today, let him restore your joy. Hope leads to joy, leads to entheos. If you're empty, let him fill you today. Let apathy turn into entheos. Let worry turn to worship. Trust God, trust him. Walk with God daily and worship God like David. Reckless abandon, nobody care, like nobody's watching. Man, like, and I'm not talking about musical worship. I'm talking about live your life as, as if you, don't, you just don't care. Let God work in your heart and your mind to bring about some entheos. Because listen, if the church doesn't have entheos, then the world has nothing. The hope of the world will come from the church and not from you, but Christ in you. Look, if we're going to ever have any light at the end of the tunnel with this whole, with all of this that's going on, it's going to be the church that leads the way. The church is going to lead the way. The church is going to have a holy burning passion or not. And if the church doesn't have a passion for Jesus that's palpable and evident daily, then we have no hope. We're going to keep recycling the same stuff. Let Jesus fill you today with a holy entheos, enthusiasm that's really contagious, that will really change lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a difficult thing to, to imagine negativity turning to, to, into positive. The way we feel now giving way to something greater. But Father, you can do it. You can do it. And you're more than capable, God, of doing that. So today our prayer is that 
you would stir in us something new, that you would bring us out of the fog of apathy, that you would make us a more positive person, not for positivity's sake, but because we have hope. There's a lot of positive because you died for us. You gave yourself up for us, Jesus. You sacrificed and gave it all for us to live a life of entheos because people around us and our jobs and our homes and our families, they need you, Jesus. They're never going to see you unless we live a life of entheos. And it's not, up to, it's not depending on us. It's not dependent on, on us all the time because God knows I've, I've lived a life of apathy for years and God, you still chose to use me, but God, you want to stir up something new in us today. You want to give us something that we can't conjure up on our own. And so today I pray as we worship, we worship like David, which means we, it, we're, not, we're not pretentious, God. We're not following the, the customs of the world and how we should do church or how we should live life. We're following the gospel. We're following you, Jesus. And that's going to look different than what other people think. That's going to look a lot different than church as usual. That's going to look a lot different than business as usual. That's going to look a lot different for you business owners and you, and you teachers and you parents. That's going to look different for you because it's God stirring and moving in you to a new place, something beyond you. So take this time together as we worship. Free us of apathy. Fill us with entheos. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.